The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. James chapter 4, James chapter 4. Uh, today, we, we've been in this series, James and James. This is our seventh week. We've got two more weeks in the series. And today, we're going to get super practical, and I'm going to get super in your face. It's probably one of the most practical messages I've ever shared here at New Song Church. So get out your notes. Get ready to take some good notes this morning, because we're going to talk today about, James is going to give us some wisdom on fighting. And specifically, he's going to talk about how to stop fighting. And how appropriate is it that we're talking about this with Christmas just a couple weeks away, right? <laughs> because here's the reality that at this time of the year, you know, this time of year, there can be a lot of conflict. Because we're kind of forced into some different environments. We're around some different people. Maybe people we're not around all the time. And then I think the other side of it is, it's like, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what the song says. And we feel like it should be that way. And yet, sometimes it, it don't feel that way. And so that can lead to some fighting and some conflict and some like, why isn't it the most wonderful time of the year for me right now? What's the deal? It's your fault. You did this to me. And so we get, we get angry. We get mad. We get upset. And uh, it doesn't matter if you've got a lot of good stuff going on, like, you know, you've got the music going, the traditions are in place, you've got lots of money to buy lots of presents, smells good in your home, everything's ready, all the presents are wrapped. But if your relationships aren't right, how many of you know? You ain't right. And, and a lot of times at this time of the year, what is wrong in our relationships gets kind of magnified by the season, by the fact that we feel like it should be right, and it isn't. And so James is going to give us some wisdom on how to stop fighting. Now, as we look at this this morning, I want to ask you to do something that is so important to you receiving what God wants to say to you through this message, okay? Here, here's what I need you to do. I need you to surrender your rightness to God. I need you to surrender. Here, here's what I'm asking you to surrender. I'm asking you to surrender this idea that I'm right and they're wrong, because so much of the conflict and fighting and issues that we have in relationships with people is related to this idea that I'm right and you're wrong. And because I'm right and you're wrong, I'm gonna, we, we got beef, we got conflict, and I'm going I'm to fight for my rightness, and, and I'm going to let you know you're wrong. You with me this morning, New Song Church? So I'm going to ask you to surrender. Because here's the reality. You can be right. Listen, I'll, some of you, you, you might be right. But you can be right and yet express your rightness the wrong way. It's not enough to just be right in, in truth. It's also, you've got to be right in your heart as well. So, for, like, for example, let's say that, you know, I decide that I want to go and share with some people today this truth that Jesus brought salvation to the world. I want to share that truth with some people. So I go home today, and I get out an old T-shirt, and I pull out a big Sharpie, and on the front of that shirt, I write, turn or burn. And on the back of that shirt, I write, you are going to hell. And I put that shirt on and I go to the mall. I go to Walmart and there's all these people walking around. I start walking up to people and going, hey, you're going to hell. Like if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And I just get in their face and yell at them and point at them. Well, the reality is, listen, there's truth in what I'm saying. Like, that's the truth. If you don't give your life to Jesus, hell is a reality. But how many of you know, I can be right in information and yet wrong in heart. 
that is not expressing the heart of God. That is not displaying the image of Jesus Christ to the world. While, while I'm right in information, I can be wrong in heart. So listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's not enough to just be right in information. We must also be right in heart. You can be doing the right things the wrong way. Are you with me this morning, church? You can be communicating things and taking stands for things. And we see this all the time. People, and you're right, and yet you're wrong in how you're doing it. And so what I'm inviting you to do is for the next few moments to just surrender this idea that I'm right and, and they're wrong. And in doing so, here's what I need you to do. I want you to focus in on you right now. Because really, as we look at this, at this text this morning, James isn't pointing to the outside issues that lead to conflict. He's going to point us to the inside issues that lead to conflict. He's not going to tell you today that, hey, the world's messed up and the world's sinful and that's why there's so much conflict. He's going to say, hey, you got some stuff in you that needs to be adjusted. So as you listen to this this morning, listen, the person who needs to hear this is you. I think sometimes we hear a message like this and we start thinking, oh, this is good. We're talking about fighting. They really need to hear this. I can't, my, good, my spouse is here. Okay, are you ready for this? Because it's coming, it's coming. No, 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 no. Point to yourself and say, the person who needs to hear this, church, you with me today? The person who needs to hear this, you're the 11 o'clock service. You guys should be awake, okay? Pinch the person beside you and say, you awake? Pinch him, pinch him. Okay, now, here we go. The person he needs to hear this is me. Now, if you're married, look at your spouse. Look at your spouse, point to yourself and say, the person who needs to hear this is me. You guys ain't doing it. Look at your spouse and say, the person who needs to hear this is me. All right, all right, here we go. You ready, you ready, you ready? Let's pray. Don't be rolling your eyes. I see you, Michaela, rolling your eyes over there. I see everything. I'm seeing it, girl. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to open up your word and to learn truth. Your word says it, it, it's truth and it can set us free. And so we pray that we would see the truth today. Every one of us in here today, Lord, we recognize we deal with this. We deal with conflict, whether it's with our spouse, whether it's with our parents, whether it's with our teachers, coaches, whatever the case may be. We need help. So we say, Lord, we, we invite you to speak to us today. We invite your presence to be here today. Speak to us. Give us wisdom. And what we have not teach us, what we... Uh, what, we, what we are not, please make us. What we know not, please show us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James chapter 4, starting verse 1, it says this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Here goes James. Just in it, going for it, right off the bat, right? He says, what's causing all, this pro all these problems? Don't they come from the evil desires, or in other words, conflicting desires is another way to say it. Conflicting desires at war. Notice where he says they are. Within you, within you. Someone say, it's in me. It's in me. He doesn't say it's out there in the world. He doesn't say it's, it's that, that political party's fault. He says it's in you. Verse two, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Now, when he says kill here, he doesn't mean like you're literally murdering people. He's saying like you, you're doing things and acting in ways that's actually hurting people around you. And it's hurting yourself. It's pulling purpose out of other people. It's pulling confidence out of other people. The way, those things that you say, those, those ways that you act, the way that you mope, the way that you try to manipulate it, it's wrong and it's doing damage. And it's not just doing damage to them, it's doing damage to you. You are jealous of what others have. Look at this, but you can't get it. 
You can't get it. So look at this. You fight and wage war to take it away from them. So James points to these two ideas right off the bat of, of fighting. He, he says in verse 1, you fight and you quarrel. And then he says in verse 2, you fight and you wage war. And so there's these two kinds of fights that we all kind of deal with. One is, is like the long-standing war that you have. Most of the time, these wars are with people that we're kind of closely related to, a lot of times through blood, relationship, family members, where there's like that that war that just exists. Maybe something was done a long time ago, and so every time you're in this environment with that person, there's this kind of underlining thing that's kind of there, and if one thing is, I mean, it just, it just the littlest thing can set you off. But there's this war that's been going on a long time, or, or maybe there's a fight. Or you're the kind of person that you just find yourself in a lot of fights, a lot of arguments. It's always popping up. It's always happening. You got a little chip on your shoulder, and you're ready to go, because after all, uh, you're right and they're wrong. But, but, but James says the problem is not with them. The problem is with you. He says there's evil desires within you, conflicting desires within you. And I can already sense it in the room. Some of you are looking at me right now, and you're going, Pastor Josh, you're wrong. It's not, it's not with me. It's with them. They're wrong, and I'm, I'm right. I just, we just talked about this, church. I just talked to you about changing your mentality and saying, that, hey, this is not about them. Listen, it's not about them. James doesn't say it's about, it's their problem. He says it's your problem. We're looking at us right now. Remember, this message is about, it's for you, right? So what's going on in you? James says there's some, some conflicting desires, some evil desires within you that's causing this stuff. So, so here's how it works. Inside of every one of us, there's some desires that we have. We're wanters. And sometimes these Desires that we have, they, they might be godly desires, but we go after them in ungodly ways. And we try to get them through ungodly means. And sometimes we actually try to, try to get what it is that we want, which may be a, some form of a godly desire, but we go about it without God. We, we kick him out of the equation, or we just go about it completely wrong. And so I think that all of us, we kind of deal with these five areas of conflicting desire. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. The first area of conflicting desire we all have is related to priority. Priority. We have a priority problem. And here's part of our priority problem. We want to be first. We like being number one. We like our way. We like, uh, we, we like our needs met. We want our interests taken care of. We, we like us some us. And we want to see things done our way. And so... So what happens is because we have this mentality, we look in, at the world and say, well, what I want, what I desire takes priority over what you want and what you desire. And, and because I'm right and you're wrong, I'm going to fight for what I want because after all, I'm right and you're wrong. So I'm going to fight for what I want. And so now we have conflict. And what we do in this moment is we actually put ourselves in this position where we put ourselves on the high ground and we look at the world around us and we say, hey, you're, because I'm right, I'm on the high ground and you're wrong, so you're on the low ground. And so we look down on the world. And listen, this is exactly the opposite of what God tells us we're called to do. Look at this with me. Philippians 2, verse 3 says this, let nothing be done. Someone say nothing. Nothing, nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, me first. Me first. I'm first. Or conceit, I'm better than you. I know better than you. You don't know it as good as I. I'm right, you're wrong. I, I got this figured out. You don't, you don't know it like I do. Let nothing be done from selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. 
Lowliness of mind. It's a mindset. Let each esteem others better than himself. Now, let me clarify something real quick. I think we can read a verse like this sometimes, and if we're not careful, what we think is that God is saying, you need to lower yourself in order to lift other people up. You need to think less highly of yourself so that other people can be lifted up. But that's not what God is saying. What God is actually saying in this verse is you need to lift up what needs to be lifted up. And what needs to be lifted up is God in your life. That's the number one priority. God on the throne. Not you on the throne. God on the throne of your heart. And so you're going to elevate God. You're going to glorify God with your life. And because you're glorifying God with your life, you're going to set in priority what God says is important. And what God says is important is other people. That you're to lift them up, that you're to serve them. Which, by the way, when you do this, you look like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go around the world looking at people and saying, hey, you're wrong and I'm right. That's not what he did. What did Jesus do? He went around doing good and he went around shining the light of God through his life. He, he glorified God and because he was glorifying God, he was about his father's business. And what was his father's business? It was serving the world. It was living a life that was sacrificial. So lowliness of mind doesn't mean you lower yourself, that you think less of yourself. That's, that's not God, that's dumb. You're to lift up God and you're to lift up other people. That's what it means to have lowliness of mind. Verse four, it says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests. Notice it's not only for your own interests. He doesn't say you can't look out for your own interests, just not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, right here, right off the bat, I want you to just think about this for a moment. If, if, if we just did this, like if I closed up my notes and we were done for the day and we just did that, you know how different the world would look? Like if, if right now we just made up our mind, I'm going to live a life where my goal is to glorify God, to put him on the throne of my heart, to live a life that elevates him. And because I'm glorifying him and elevating him, that means I'm going to glorify and lift up other people and elevate other people in my life and serve other people with my life. If we did that, you know how different your marriage would look if you just made up your mind to do that right there? Yeah. You know how different your relationships would look at, at school and and in your work life, if you just made up your mind to do that, it would, it would be a, an absolute game changer. If we would take our focus off of the priority of ourself, take ourself off the throne, put God on the throne, and lift up what God tells us to lift up. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's a second conflicting desire. It's related to our possessions. It's related to the things that we want to have. James verse two, 4 verse 2 says, You want what you don't have. You want what you don't have. A lot of us have a desire for stuff that we don't currently have. Now, before you start to tune me out and say, Pastor Josh, this is not a problem for me. Like, uh, you're wrong. Here, you're wrong. I'm right. This is not a problem. Before you do that, let me explain how God set things up to be, okay? The way God created this world to function was, was like this. God created things to be used and people to be loved. We're to, we're to love people, and we're to use things. But what happens is we live in a world that is under a curse, that's fallen and broken. And, and what happens in this world is people begin to take their priority off of loving other people and they put their attention on stuff. Because in this world, we see status, we see stuff as being something to be desired. And so what we do is we start to love stuff. And when we love stuff, we do the opposite. We begin to use people. So instead of loving people and using stuff. We love stuff and use people. We get it, we get it backwards. 
And one of the things, the possessions that we pursue and we go after with everything in us that we want to have is this desire to see our needs met and have our version of happiness. Or let me say it like this, the third conflicting desire is related to our pleasures. We want our pleasures met. James 4 verse 3 says, you want only what will give you pleasure. And so here, here's what happens. We want our pleasure, we want our happiness, and we look at other people as being a means to get us what it is that we want. And so we say, if, if I'm not happy, it's because you're not giving me what you're supposed to be giving me. So, so, so wife, I, I'm not happy, and, and you're my wife, so you should be making me happy, but I'm not happy, so it must be your fault. And so we got beef, we got a conflict. Or, or husband, I'm, I'm not happy. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, and I'm not happy. It must be your fault. And so we got conflict now because you're not giving me what I want. Or mom, dad, I'm not happy. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I should be holly and jolly, but I'm not. And it must be your fault. You're not giving me what I want. And so what we begin to do, listen, you see the pattern here. We're loving stuff. We're pursuing our idea of what we want. And we're using other people to get it. And when you, when you do that, it just causes conflict. Because, you know, how many of you just love being used? Isn't that just the greatest when you discover, oh, that person's been using me? Yes. No. Nobody likes that. And so on either side, there's conflict. There's conflict because you're not getting what you want. And there's conflict with them because they feel like you're using them. It's an ugly, ugly pattern. So, so get this. When you make your desires, your pleasure, your, your stuff, when you put that on the throne of your heart, it becomes your God. And it's going to lead to a lot of conflict. Here's the fourth area of conflict that we deal with, it's related to people. You say, okay, now we're talking. Because people, this is the problem. This is my problem. My problem is people are the worst. People stink. I get sick of people. They don't, they get on my nerves. I don't like people. They're wrong. And I'm right. Here we go again. Right? But listen, your, your problem with people is not your problem with people. Like you think your problem with people is that people are the worst. Your problem with people is that you have a desire to control people and you have a desire to be liked by people. And so, so what you do is you, when you can't control people, now you got a problem because you're not giving me what I want. I'm trying to control you, but you're not doing it this the way I want it done. And so there's conflict. Or, heaven forbid, somebody doesn't like you. And so now, oh my gosh, how do they not like me? I can't believe they don't like me. Can you believe they don't like me? I, I, we're, we're gonna, we got a problem because you don't like me. Let me remind you of something that Jesus said in John 15. He said, if the world loves you, keep in mind, or if the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. Listen, child of God, the world is going to hate you sometimes. Not everybody's going to like you. And you just need to get over that. In fact, if you're a Christian, you should see some conflict with the world not liking you. If the world really likes you, you ain't doing it right. There's going to be some conflict here. And so you have to be okay with that. You can't control people. And you can't get everybody to like you. But if you pursue that, if you make that your goal, then people are going to drive you crazy. Jesus said this in John 12. He says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Some of you, that's your issue. You got a lot of conflict because your, your desire is to have human praise. Your desire is to be accepted. Your desire is to control people and get from people what you want more than it is that God would look at you and say, hey, you're doing good. I'm proud of you. We got to figure this out. Here's the fifth thing. The fifth 
conflicting desire, evil desire we have us. This one's actually kind of a twofer. It's position and power. We want position. We want power. We like that. James 4.2, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. Listen, let me, let me let you in on something this morning. There's some stuff in life that you can't have. Like you can't have it. You ain't going to get it. Now, if it's in the word, if it's a promise in God's word, you can have it. So related to your finances, your health, the promises of God are yes and amen. So if it's in the word, you can have it. But there's some stuff that kind of goes outside of the word of God. There's some stuff, specific areas of our life that we haven't really submitted to God where we're pursuing stuff and we're, we're making that stuff a little bit of a idol and power and position. If I just get this, then I'll be really happy. And in the pursuit of that, what we don't realize is even if you get it, you ain't gonna be happy. Right. Bible says this, look at this with me. Galatians 5, 26. Let us not become conceited provoking or stirring up trouble and envying each other. That, that word conceited there is interesting. It means empty glory. So listen, when you're pursuing stuff that maybe you're, you're not supposed to have it, maybe you're not supposed to have it because it's not God's timing for you. It's not his will for you to have it now. Maybe you're not supposed to have it because you're never supposed to have that thing. But you're pursuing it. Listen, even when you get it, it's empty glory. In other words, even when you get it, you're not going to feel satisfied. So, so you, you think that, you know, this position of being a doctor, that's going to make everything better. So I go to med school, I go work through all this, and now I'm a doctor, and uh, I still feel kind of empty. So, so what's the deal? Or, or when I have kids, then I'll, I, mean, I become a mom, then I'm going I'm to, you know, everything will be good. I'll have this position of being a mom, and then you have kids, and it's like, uh, still feel a little empty. And so what do we do? Because what we got didn't make us feel fulfilled. We get more ruthless and we start chasing after more. We got to get more. We got to get more. I'm not getting what I, I want. And it's just this ugly, ugly cycle. James says, what's causing these fights? He says, it's these conflicting desires within us. It's evil desires within us. But the good news is he doesn't leave us there. He gives us some direction on how to deal with this stuff. So if you find yourself in a place where you're dealing with some fighting, Maybe God's convicting you a little bit this morning of some conflicting desires within you that are off. Let me give you some help this morning. I got five things for you that'll help you to stop the fighting. Stop the fighting. Here's number one. Realize how destructive fighting is. You got to realize how destructive fighting is. You with me, New Song Church? You know, there, there is a fighting that's good. The Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith. There is some conflict in our life that's good. When we're fighting in good conflict, we attack problems so that we can get better. But, but what James is speaking to today is, is fighting where we attack people, and it's poisonous, and it's hurtful, and it's against the plan of God and the will of God for your life. Ephesians 4.31 says, quarreling, harsh words, fighting, saying things that are, that are wrong, and look at this, dislike, like you not liking other people for others should have no place in your lives. In the life of a Christian, like those, that stuff is not acceptable to God. You with me today? Yeah. 2 Timothy 2.24, a servant of the Lord. Any servants of the Lord in the house today? That's you, lift up your hand. Couple, couple of you, okay. Not, well, the rest of you, we're praying for you. We're gonna get you saved before the service is over. Any servants of the Lord in the house today? There we go, a little bit better. Okay, still a lot of you. We'll, we'll stay in intercession. Here we go. Servant of the Lord must not quarrel. 
but must be kind to everyone. But, but they're wrong, Pastor Josh. But, but, but they're difficult, Pastor Josh. I, I don't see that caveat in the verse here. Must be kind to everyone unless they're difficult. Okay, well, great. No, 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 no it's not there. It's not there. But be able to teach and patient with people. This is the call of God for our life. We're to live like this. And when you don't, it's damaging. And it's not just damaging to the world, it's damaging to you. Look at this, Proverbs 17, 14. Starting a quarrel, starting a fight, being a person that, who lives that way, is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. You know, when a dam is breached, that means a dam breaks. There, there's damage that takes place. You guys remember in New Orleans when the levees broke and all the flooding that took place and Hurricane Katrina, that caused a lot of damage. And, and anytime that happens, there's the initial damage that takes place. There's the initial destruction that takes place. But, but after even the water goes away, how many know there's still damage that's being done? Because what that water does is it creeps into all these little nooks and crannies and crevices, and it begins to cause rot, and it begins to make those environments toxic. And if you go into those environments and you live in those environments, you'll get sick. Listen, in the same way, when you're fighting and quarreling with people, Obviously, there's the initial damage, but what we don't always see is after the fight is over, after we walk away from that moment, there's all this damage that's taken place because that fighting, that quarreling has gotten into the nooks and crannies of our heart and our mind, and it's causing us to think toxic thoughts. It's causing us to become a poisonous atmosphere for our family, for our home, for our marriage, for the people around us, and we start making ourselves sick and people around us sick. Here's what I want you to see. This stuff is destructive. Like this fighting is not okay. It's not okay according to God's word. It's not something we should just go, well, you know, it's just how we are. It's what's going on in the world. No, no, no. You having this kind of attitude towards fighting, you got to deal with it. We got we to deal with this. Realize how destructive fighting is. Here's number two. Stop expecting of people what only God can give. Stop expecting of people what only God can give. This leads to all sorts of fighting. That sounds good. The idea that some of you heard in a movie a few years back called Jerry Maguire, this idea that you complete me sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? But let me just tell you, it ain't nice because it ain't true. Tom Cruise lied to you. <laughs> because listen, I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. Your spouse, that boyfriend, that girlfriend... Whatever it may be, listen, they can't complete you. You're expecting of them what only God can do. People can't complete you. They can't complete you in your self-esteem. Human people can't complete you in your purpose. Human people can't complete you in your emotional lack. Only God can meet you there. But, but, but when you pursue trying to get that from people, you're pursuing a godly thing through ungodly means, and it's going to lead to conflict, because no matter who they are, they can't live up to that. You know why? Because they ain't God. God is God. You ain't God. You're a bad God. You a bad God. I'm a bad God. <laughs> Only God can be God. You're imperfect. Only God is perfect. You can't do what God can do, and you can't expect anybody else to do what God can do. But, but what happens is we begin to start seeing the world through this lens of like, uh, they should be completing me, and they're not completing me, and this is leading to conflict. And so what do we do? We begin to start working our means to get from them what we really should be pursuing through God. That's why James says this in verse 3. He says, you do not have because you do not ask of God. Because you're trying to get it through people, you're trying to get it through relationship. 
you, you actually tune God out of the equation. And so now you're not asking of God and you're trying to manipulate your way to get the thing that you want. And so we do all sorts of stuff that's wrong. We mope and we, we hold out. I, I hear about this stuff, like people holding out on sex from their, their spouse because they're not doing things the way they want them to. Listen, that is so lame and it's ungodly. Ungodly. In that moment, this is who you are. You're the kid who leaves the playground with your ball. You remember this kid? You're having fun, playing football. Everybody's doing good. And you hit him hard. You know, maybe a little harder than you should have, but come on, playing football. And he gets mad and takes his ball. I'm leaving. He storms off and you're all standing there going, great. Some of you, this is how you're living. Oh, you don't do it my way? I'm taking my ball. Here's my back. I'm going to sleep. Angry. You guys hearing me this morning? I'll manipulate. I'll, do, I'll, get, I'll get what I want. I have a desired result, and I'm going to get it through you. Here's the problem. Even if you get your desired result, you know what you get? Your desired result. And your desired result falls short of God's desired result. So what you need to do what you need to do is you need to go to God and submit it to God and say, God, I have a lack here and I need help and I'm calling on you because if you'll go to the Lord, if you'll bring him into the equation and let him help you, you know what you get? God's desired result. And God's desired result is way better than your desired result, I promise you, because God is perfect and he knows exactly what you need. So turn to him. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, when I have learnt, and I love this because I'm going to use that word all the time now. Learnt. Like you, I, look at what I learnt today. I used to say, that sounds kind of stupid, but C.S. Lewis said it. He's like super smart. So when I have learnt, <laughs> I learnt something, Sarah. When I have learnt to love God better than my earthly dearest, don't, don't miss this. I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. You, 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 in, in other words, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, delight yourself in the Lord. You, you go to God first. It says, when first things are put first, God, second things are not suppressed, but increased. I think sometimes we think like, that feels like a cop-out. That feels like a cop-out. If I just, you know, make God first and I don't worry, then everything else will, will come together. No, it's not a cop-out. It's the best way to live your life. To really, truly pursue God with all your heart. No one else can fulfill what God can do in your life. No one else can complete you. Only God can do that. So turn to him. Lean into him. Let him minister to you. We find real completion only in God. So maybe for you, this week, I'd encourage you, maybe you need to bring some unmet expectations to the Lord instead of to that person. Surrender that stuff to God. Say, God, I think I'm off here. And let him minister and speak to you. Here's number three. You want to stop fighting. Choose humility over prideful anger. Choose humility over prideful anger. Verse six, James says, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Proverbs 13, 10 says, pride leads to conflict. You know, so much of the conflict that we see in the world today is rooted in pride. When you look at the past couple of years, 2020 and this year, no one wants to be humble and say, you know what, I think I was wrong. Like you look at politics, you look at science, no one's ever wrong. 
Even when they're wrong, they won't admit it. I think we can all look at the world and say, they've been wrong on a lot of stuff. A lot of people have been wrong. And that other, you know, that other political party, they're wrong because I'm right. My party's right. You know. Anyway. <laughs> but no one will admit that they're, they're wrong. No one, no one will be willing to be humble. And so James says, listen, when you take that stance, you take a stance that's in opposition to God. That, that word opposes, God opposes the proud means a full frontal resistance to set yourself in battle formation against someone. So get this, when you take up a stance of pride, God stands in opposition to you. He goes into battle formation against your life. Now, part of it is the Bible says pride leads to destruction, which means you're going to fall off a cliff, a haughty spirit before a fall. So he's trying to get in between you and a great fall, a great disaster because he loves you. So because God loves you, he hates pride. But, but recognize like when you're standing in this pride garbage and saying, well, I'm, I'm just being a little stubborn with my spouse right now. I'm just being a little stubborn with my mom and dad right now. You ain't, you're being stubborn with God right now. So don't want to do that. Want to deal with that. God opposes the proud. But, but look at what he does for the humble. But God gives grace to the humble. What's grace? It's the unmerited favor of God. And what it does is it comes along beside you to empower you into those areas where you're weak. So when you're, when you're willing to humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he lifts you up. That's what the Bible says. So, so when you're willing to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm weak here in this area. I'm weak in my thinking. I'm weak in my mind. I keep falling into temptation. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to do things according to your ways, according to your plan. Then God can lift you up. He can strengthen you. His power, his grace can come alongside of you to strengthen you. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord. But pastor, they're, they're wrong though. Really? But pastor, I'm right and they're wrong. No, 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 we're not doing that. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. That word lift you up means to raise to the very summit of opulence and prosperity. So wherever you're willing to humble yourself before the Lord, you'll see the prosperity of God in that area. If you're willing to humble yourself in your marriage, God will prosper you in your marriage. If you're willing to humble yourself in your finances, God will prosper you in your finances. If you're willing to humble yourself related to that addiction, related to that problem, whatever it is, God will prosper you in that area and strengthen you. He'll come alongside you and lift you up. Choose humility over prideful anger. Here's number four. Recognize the real source behind the fight. Look at this, verse seven. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we're kind of going along here in James and all of a sudden it feels like he kind of takes this hard left you know, we're talking about fights, conflict, and it's like, resist the devil. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? But here's the issue. James is pointing us to, to a truth that we have to recognize. There's an underlying hidden agenda taking place in the middle of your conflict. The Bible says that, that the battle that we're in is not against flesh and blood. What's flesh and blood? That's other people like us. Your battle is not just simply against that other person. The Bible says that we don't wage war the way the world wages war. How does the world wage war person to person? So God's saying, hey, you need to recognize there's, there's, a, there's another realm where things are happening. There's another realm where there's principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Like the devil has a real agenda and he's working behind the scenes to bring conflict into your life, to stir up stuff so that he can hurt you. And so God says, resist the devil. That means to take a stance against him. 
Some of you, you're resisting God in pride. God says, hey, quit doing that and let's stand against the enemy of your life. Stand against him. Stop standing against people and take up a stance against God. Now, when God says take a stance against him, that like you're going, okay, so what does that look like? Like, here's what it looks like. It means you do things God's way. Like standing against the devil doesn't mean you just start going, okay, today, devil, no. Like, no, it means you say yes to God. And when you're saying yes to God, you're saying no to the devil. You're resisting him through your yes to God. And so that's what you have to do. You start going, okay, I'm, God, I'm going to do things your way. And recognize the power of this because if you don't do it, the enemy, what he wants to do is he wants to get you living reactionary and frustrated and stressed out because he knows if he can get you there, he can literally outwit you. He can take your wits away where you don't think properly. In fact, I, I was studying this week. Uh, it was talking about your mind, how your brain works. And, you know, your brain is made up of different sections. And when you're thinking at the highest level, you're using this area of your brain called the neocortex. And that's where the best uh, rational thinking takes place. You think the most clearly from that part of your brain. You're able to process information the best when you're using your neocortex. But there's other areas of your brain that we also use for different things. There's the limbic brain, which is uh, it's an area where like emotional decisions come from. And it's an illogical area of your brain. It doesn't process information as good. It's a lower level of thinking. And then there's the basal ganglia area of your brain. And this is the area of your brain that's like in instinctual. It's where like, you know, someone throws a ball at you. And before you even can really think about it, like you lift up your hands to kind of protect yourself from the ball hitting you. So they, they did this study. And what they discovered is when people start to get really mad, really angry, really stressed, really frustrated, they move from thinking with their neocortex to thinking with a lower level of brain. So in other words, when you start getting mad, listen, you get dumber. (laughs) You're not making good decisions. You're not thinking at the highest level. You're dumbing yourself down. And this is why we get angry, we get mad, we fly off the handle and we say things and we do things and we walk away going, I don't know what I was thinking. You weren't thinking. You were getting instinctual. You were tapping into parts of your brain that are not supposed to be used for rational thinking, for good thinking. And this is where the devil wants to get you living. He wants to carve pathways in your brain that lead you to these areas where you don't think the right way. You don't see things the right way. You do stuff that hurts people and does damage to you and to the world around you. But God wants to do just the opposite. God wants to renew your mind where you think at the highest level you think thoughts higher than the thoughts of this world you have what the bible calls the mind of christ god wants to get you there where you see things the right way you process information from the perspective of jesus christ that's where god wants to take you so 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 here's what we have to do when we find ourselves in these situations where we're getting angry listen you gotta calm down calm down slow down and invite the holy spirit Invite God into these moments. The Bible says this in in James 4, 8. Come close to God. Instead of flying off the handle, instead of getting angry, instead of just getting emotional and doing those things, come close to God. Engage with God. Engage with God through prayer. Engage with God through worship. Invite God into the situation. And look at this. God will come close to you. He'll show up. Wash your hands, you sinners. In other words, quit doing things the way the world's doing them. Quit acting the way the world's acting. Wash your hands of that garbage. 
Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So, so, so here's the principle, and this is my fifth and final point. You want to stop the conflict, you got to get God's perspective and presence on the scene. You got to get God's perspective and presence on the scene. What would your life look like if in the middle of your conflict, in the middle of your fight, instead of just flying off the handle, getting mad, engaging in that moment, instead of just trying really hard to prove your rightness and their wrongness, what if instead of that, what if you stepped away and you invited God to speak to you? Spent some time with the Lord, drew close to the Lord so he could draw close to you. What if, you know, it's Christmas. What if for some of you, you know you're getting ready to go into some environments where there's conflict. You're getting ready to go into some environments where it, you're, you're, oh, it just, it's hard. There's a rub there and things can be difficult and you're just a little concerned. They're gonna say that thing that's gonna make, oh, dude, uh. what if before you even go into that environment, what if you go into that environment, prayed up, worshiped up, presence of God upped. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna bring the presence of God into that environment. And let me just tell you, that's gonna solve a lot of your problems. It's probably gonna squish a lot of that garbage because you're resisting the devil. And he flees. And so you bring that into that atmosphere. But at the, wor- at the worst, even when they do that thing that normally bothers you, you're going to have this sense of peace and calm on you. Why? Because the God of peace is with you. What if we just, what if we did it that way? What if we invited the Holy Spirit in? What if we asked God to help us in these areas? What if we got his perspective? Let me finish this section with a paraphrase of James 4. This is the message paraphrase. I I love how this says it. Verse seven, it says, let God work his will in you. Not my will be done. I want God's will done. I wanna glorify God. I wanna see what God wants glorified done through my life. I'm gonna serve other people. I'm gonna lift other people up. Yell a loud no to the devil. If you're taking notes, write this down. What's a loud no to the devil look like for you right now? What's a loud no to the devil look like for you right now? And watch him make himself scarce. That's the promise. Say no to the devil and he flees, right? Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. You know what I love about that? Is that you don't have to yell at God. You know what that tells me? That God's close. You have to yell at someone when they're far away. Which also tells me a perspective on the enemy. It's really not as close to you as you think he is. But God is right there. He's just waiting for you to say, yes, I need you. Would you help me? Would you help me? Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. How do you do that? With the word. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.